Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, February 20th, 2022, we continue our series titled Romans, Gospel for All Time. Today's sermon, Dead to Sin, Alive to God, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. God has revealed to us the diagnosis. God has revealed to us the remedy. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Don't miss just the beauty of the contrast between Adam and Christ. Don't miss the beauty of who Jesus is. And certainly don't miss his righteousness, the perfection of God, the holiness of God that he revealed to us from heaven. There's only one Jesus Christ. For those of you who think that your good will outweigh your bad, hear me clearly. There is only one Jesus Christ. And he is your only hope. Am I of Adam or am I of Christ? For the last several weeks in the book of Romans, we've been talking about one big question. How do we get saved? I mean, really, since the beginning of the book, how do we get saved? Throughout the scriptures, you may have encountered the question like this. What must I do to be saved? That's one of the jailers to the apostle Paul. What must I do to be saved? Or the rich young ruler to Jesus in the book of Luke. Um, Good teacher, good teacher, what must I do to inherit the eternal eternal life? And, And what we've discovered throughout the book of Romans is that while religion says do, a relationship with Christ says done. It's a flawed question to begin with. What must I do? You must not do anything. You must believe in what Christ has done. We've seen that salvation is a gift. It comes by faith through grace in Christ alone and all of it for his glory and his glory alone. So you could say up until this point, Romans has really been dealing with the doctrine of justification, being made right in the eyes of God, being made righteous. This morning in Romans chapter six, we turn from justification and we, turn, we, we move to sanctification. Okay, so I'm saved. I've been made righteous in the eyes of God. Now what? I'm in Christ. Now what? Specifically, what do I do with all this sin? Jesus forgave me and set me free from it. Like, what do I do with the sin in my life? Now, I don't know about you, what your Christian experience has been, but for me personally, when I came to Christ, I completely stopped sinning. I'm not sure why you're laughing. I'm deeply offended. (laughs) Right? Like the things I used to hunger and thirst for, the cravings, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life that the Bible says believers still have. For me, those things were gone. Haven't been tempted since then. I've never gone back to my old ways since I came to Christ. I've been perfect. Except for right now when I'm lying to all of you. That's just not our experience, is it? We come to Christ, we believe that he's forgiven us of our sin, and yet we still live in sin. We still have sin in our life. We're still tempted to be the guy or be the girl that we used to be. Why? Why? Now that we're in Christ, what do we do with all of this sin that's still in our life? That's really what we're going to look at for the next three, four, five weeks together in the book of Romans beginning this morning in Romans chapter six. So if you're not there yet, let me invite you again, turn to Romans chapter six. We're gonna talk about what do we do with the sin that's still in our life? 
Chapter six, beginning in verse one, says this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died to sin has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but you are under grace. Let's pray. God, well, it's my voice that's been heard this morning. We know it's your word that's been spoken and it's your word that we trust is the authority for our life. God, it's not the things that we see on the news. It's not the things we read in the paper or see on our social media. God, this morning we trust in no one else but you. So God, we ask that you would come and you'd speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes to see you, our minds to know you, our ears to hear you, our hearts to love you, and ultimately as a result, our mouths that will speak of how wonderful the grace of Jesus Christ is. God, everything we do this morning is for your glory and your glory alone. And all God's people said, Amen. What do we do with all this sin? That's the question. Now that we're in Christ, what do we do with all this sin? We're believers now. So what? Begins in verse one. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul does this type of thing throughout the book of Romans where he kind of presupposes a question someone might ask. And here, based on verse 20, if you rewind two verses in the book of Romans, Chapter 5, verse 20 says this, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So if you have like a sin level versus grace level, it says sin increased, and it doesn't just say, and grace increased to an equal measure, and then sin, and then grace, and then sin, and then grace, and then sin, and then grace. It's not like this little race going back and forth between sin and grace. It says, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. In other words, you can't out-sin Jesus. You can't. Like, you might be in church this morning thinking, man, if Jesus only knew. Hey, newsflash, he does know, and he still loves you. I don't know, there's a whole lot of sin in my life. Well, guess what? There's more grace in the life of Jesus that he offers you. Where your sin increases, guess what? His grace abounds all the more. There's room for you in the kingdom of God. Believe in Christ this morning and be saved. Be set free from the sin that's in your life. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, if where sin increases, grace abounds, why not just keep on sinning if I can't out-sin Jesus? 
Like if there's forgiveness for the sins in my life, then why not just keep on sinning? Because sinning is kind of fun after all. Right? If it didn't feel so good and it wasn't so much fun to sin sometimes, we probably wouldn't do it as much, would we? If he's going to forgive me, why not just do it anyway? And you might be thinking, like, I've never thought things like that. Come on now. It might sound something like this. It's just a little cheat. Like a little cheat on a test or a little cheat on my taxes. Like, it's not even that big of a deal. And after all, God will forgive me. It's just like, it's just a little porn. And it's not even the bad kind of porn. It's just a little bit of porn. I'll go incognito so no one even knows about it except for me. And plus, I mean, God will forgive me. You know, I, shouldn't, I know I shouldn't be telling you this about what she said, but she deserves it, okay? I know I shouldn't be saying this, but God will forgive me. It's not even real sex. It's not even the real thing. Or it's just once. After all, God will forgive me. We think things like this all the time as believers. It's not that big of a deal. God will forgive me. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? 1 John chapter 3, verses 9 through 10, it says this, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. This is what it means to continue on in sin. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep sinning because he has been born of God. Think of like John chapter 3, Jesus and Nicodemus. If you want it, you must be born again. Okay, you gotta be born of flesh. You gotta be born of the spirit. You have to be born of God. You have to become a son, a daughter, a child of the most high God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. In other words, if you're a child of God, you act like your father. If you're a child of Satan, you act like your father. We see this in our own life, like physically, right? We kind of become like our parents, whether we like it or not. We become, and you might have said things like, man, I'll never say that when I'm a dad. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. And then guess what? Your kids will start saying the same things. My kids say this phrase, knock it off. I don't know where they got it from. This guy, this guy, knock it off. You know where this guy got it from? You should talk to my dad. Because he said it. And his dad said it. Children become like their parents. We become like our heavenly father. If we are of our father, we become like our father. If our father is righteous, we live in righteousness. We don't continue in sin because we can't. We're no longer in sin. We're in Christ. What shall we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? I love this answer. By no means. Absolutely not. Your translation might say, God forbid. No, we who have died to sin, we can't still live in it. That's the question he asked. By no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Take your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter two with me, just a couple books to the right. Ephesians chapter two. I was talking to Pastor Bob this week and he made a a kind of a great connection between Ephesians and Romans. He said, Ephesians is kind of like a mini Romans. 
A lot of the things that we like flesh out in detail in the book of Romans, we kind of get the big themes of the same thing in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians chapter two, it says this, and you were dead in trespasses and sins. It's interesting, Romans six says you were dead to sin. You were dead to sin, how can you still live in it? Ephesians two says we were dead in sin. So when we come to Christ, something interesting happens. We die to sin. We who were once dead in sin, we've been made alive in Christ. And and, and when that happens, Christ says, you're now dead to sin. That's not who you are anymore. He says, you were dead in sin in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You see that again? Child of disobedience. You become like your father. Fast forward to, uh, to verse eight. We all know this part. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. What must I do to be saved? You believe in what Christ has done. It says, it's not a result of work so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, before God does a good work through us, he does a good work to us. We receive salvation and then we're sanctified over the course of our life. Sanctification, we grow in our faith. We talk about it like this in the church. Hey, how's, how's your faith? How you been growing in your faith? How you been growing in the Lord? Around here, we talk about what's your next step? What's your next step with Christ? How do you keep following Jesus? What's that next level he's bringing you to? Think of it like leveling up. Like where's the next thing he's bringing you to? Where do you still need to grow? What's the next thing you've got to lay at his feet to be sanctified over the course of your life? We were once dead in our sin. And now when we come to Christ, we're made alive in Christ. And because of that, we are dead to sin. So here's the big question. What does that even mean? What does that even mean that we're dead to sin? Because I still like to sin. Let me give you three things it doesn't mean. First thing it doesn't mean, it does not mean that you will never sin again. It does not mean that we no longer face temptation. The book of 1 John talks about lust of the eyes. Man, I want that. Lust of the flesh. Oh, I need that. I feel it. Pride of life. You know, I'm, I'm a hot stuff. People, you know, people don't see me as good as I really am. We'll still face temptation. Uh, it also doesn't mean that sin no longer has an effect on us. We'll still face the consequences of sin and people will still sin against us in our life. So in verses 3 through 10, we really answer that question. What does that even mean to be dead to sin? I'm dead to sin. What does that mean? And three times in this passage, Paul's going to say, did you know, or we know, we know. So newsflash, and this all might be new to you. You might not know any of this, and you need to know it. If you were once dead in sin, and you've come to Christ, you are now dead to sin. What does that mean? We need to know. And that's what Paul gives us. The first, did you know, did you know you were baptized into Christ's death, his burial and resurrection to walk in newness of life? Verse three, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like like his. How many of you have seen a baptism service here at Highlands before? 
Right? Sometimes we pull them in here and do like a big worship baptism thing. A lot of times we do them outside between services. We just did that last week. I think we baptized around 10 people. Um, we, at Highlands, we practice something called believer's baptism, which means we baptize people who have been saved. We don't baptize people for them to be saved. Because we don't believe salvation is an act of works. We believe salvation believes in Christ's works and it's something we do, a good work we do because God has done a good work already to us. Because we've received salvation, we do things to walk in sanctification. This word baptism here, it means immersed. Immersed, and it's interesting. It says all of us who have been immersed into Christ See, when you come to Jesus, when you place your faith, trust, your hope, you believe in Christ, not just believe he existed as like a good teacher, but actually trust in who he is and trust, he's what, on, trust in what he's done on our behalf. The Bible says we are immersed into Christ. We are immersed into Christ. And when we are immersed into Christ, we respond by being immersed into water. Baptism then becomes this symbol of what happens to Christ, that Christ died the death that we deserve to die, and in doing so, we go under the water to signify death. We go under the water just as Christ went into the grave, and then we're raised from the water just as Christ was raised from the dead. And I love here in verse four, for what purpose? Verse four says, so we would walk in newness of life. That we would walk in newness of life. That's what happens when we come to Christ. That's what happens. What does it mean to be dead to sin? To be dead to sin means that we now have new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone's been immersed into Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I love that phrase, passed away. That stood out to me more this week than it ever has. Uh, I've known this verse since I was a kid. Passed away. We oftentimes talk about passed away as like a death of a loved one, Right? They passed away. I was talking to my friend Spencer. He's an ER doc. Um, and they have dealt with, they're always dealing with a lot of death, but they've dealt with a lot of death, especially over the last few years. And I said, man, what's that, that like to actually walk out into the waiting room and tell someone one of their loved ones has passed away? And he said, well, first of all, it's, it's, it's the worst. It's awful. Um, it's a unique opportunity that we have to um, speak life into someone and minister to someone and love someone who's going through this. He said, um, but also we can never say things like passed away. Oh, they passed away. Where did they go? Because people aren't thinking straight. Where did they pass on to? They're no longer with us. Did they get transferred? Are they at a new hospital now? Did they, did they go somewhere else? You know, they've, they've fallen asleep. Well, can, you, can you wake them up? Like, what, 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 he said, no, we have to say they're dead. They're dead. If anyone is in Christ, the old, that's dead. It's dead. Behold, new things have come. We are dead to sin so that we can walk in newness of life. Second, did you know, more than just dead and more than just passed away and more than just no longer with us, did you know your old self was crucified? Your old self was crucified with Christ and you are free from sin. What does that mean that we're dead to sin? To be dead to sin means we're free from sin. We're free from it. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. 
Who's this old self? Your translation might say old man. It's who we were apart from Christ. That's your BC days, your before Christ days. It's who you were before you were immersed in Christ. It's your sin. It's your old cravings, your old desires, your old way of life, the old you. He says, our old self, that body of sin was crucified with him. So that body of sin would be brought to nothing so that we would be free from the sin in our life. Someone told me a story um, just this last week about like, a, I don't know, way back in the day in some country or some culture, one of the penalties for murder, this is disgusting, I hope this isn't even true, but they read it on the internet, so I'm sure it's true. Um, the, one of the old penalties for murder was to like just carry the murdered person on your back as a consequence, to just tote them around. This like stinky, rotten corpse of death. And as disgusting as that is, I think it's a disgustingly accurate representation of what we do with that body of sin that was in our life. Right? It's like Christ, Christ, died, Christ died to save you from this guy. Why are you still lugging him around? That's the person you used to be apart from Christ. Why do you still have that person with you? Christ crucified our old self so that our old self, this body of sin, wouldn't be with us anymore. But all too often, it's like we keep running back to that person we used to be. I love that phrase, used to, don't you? The ability to look back and be like, man, you should have met me before I knew Christ. Totally different guy. You know, I used to be this way, but now in Christ, I'm this. I used to speak like this, and now because of Christ, the grace, the transformation of Jesus in my life, I speak this way. You know, I used to treat my spouse this way, but because of Christ, I, I, used, to, I, used, to, I used to run my business this way. I used to mentor my guys this way. I used to be a neighbor like this, but you know how I am now in Christ? That person that Jesus died to set me free from, that person's gone. I'm free. I'm free from the sin in my life. Ephesians 4, verses 20 through 24 uh, says this, but that's not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and the true righteousness and holiness. Put off your old self. Put on the new self. It's almost the imagery of like, dude, take off that old shirt. It's disgusting. It stinks like death. Get rid of it. I got you a new one. Put on the new one. Like this actually happens in our house. Dude, why are you wearing that shirt still? It's disgusting. There's holes everywhere. Sometimes the first things I say to my kids when I wake up, good morning, dad, I just say, go change. <laughs> okay, that ain't going to work. Right, you've worn that shirt for four days. Get rid of it. Take it off. Put on the new thing. Stop living in your old way of life. Stop being B.C. Thomas, before Christ Thomas. Like we are, We're living in Jesus now. We used to be dead in sin. Not any longer because I'm alive in Christ. I've died to it. What does that mean? That means I have been set free. Verse seven, it says, for one who has died has been set free from sin. All over chapter six and chapter seven, 
Paul's going to start using um, like language that sounds like slavery language. He's, he's alluding to this idea of slavery here. Uh, and I was told of a, a reminded of a story again this last week when Abraham Lincoln first signed the Emancipation Proclamation. There were pockets of slaves all over the United States who didn't know they were free. They were free, but they didn't know they were free. So they continued to live as a slave. This is what happens to us in Christ. Christ proclaimed emancipation from our sin. Did you know that? Because if you don't know, if you haven't heard this, man, you have been set free from the thing that's in your life. Okay, I don't know if it's been holding on to you for like, maybe you've been a believer for five years and there's this one thing you can't kick and you're free. You're free. It's like there's no more shackles, no more chains. I'm free. I'm free. Stop going back to it. I know it feels good sometimes. I know when you're stressed out, you turn to that one thing because it gives you 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes or an afternoon, an evening of relief. You're free. It's what he died for. To forgive us from it, but to set us free from it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this, no temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. And people have, people have walked this road before you and have fought the same temptation and, and have kicked its butt. Okay, no temptation has faced us that's not common. You're not the first person to be tempted this way. I don't, didn't have a choice. Yeah, you did. You did have a choice. No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. I love this. God is so faithful. He's so faithful to us that he sets us free from sin and then he won't allow us to face situations where we can't say no. That's what it says. He's faithful. He won't let us be tempted beyond our ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. There's just no way out. Yes, there is. I didn't have a choice. I had to sin. No, you didn't. Why? Because God's faithful. One, he doesn't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And then two, he always provides a way of escape. There's always a way out from that. You didn't have to do that. For some of you this morning, you might be caught up in like some serious addiction things where you have some chemical dependencies and the way of escape for you looks like we need to find some help. Okay, and if that's you, maybe you've been fighting addiction to pornography, alcohol, drugs, whatever it is, Come talk to me afterwards, and we would love to set up a time to get you the help you need because God's provided a way of escape. We just need to discover what that is so we can kick sin in the face like we should. Jesus has died to set us free from that sin. You're not, you're free. You're free. Would you embrace the freeness that we have in Christ this morning? Did you know God has provided a way of escape? The third thing, did you know you are alive with Christ and have victory over death and sin? We're alive in Christ. What does it mean to be dead to sin? It means we live in God. We live with God. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We can live with him right now. Jesus is Emmanuel. He's God with us. The Holy Spirit, more than just God with us, he's God in us. We can live with him right now. And later, we get to live with him perfectly. Perfect presence, perfect peace, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sadness, all the former things, no more sin, all of it's gone. We get to live with him perfectly. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion 
over him. And since death has no dominion over him, it has no dominion over us. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. What does it mean to be dead to sin? It means we get to live our life with the Lord. We can live with him now, though imperfectly, and we'll live with him later in perfect relationship. So what? So what? That's the question, so what, right? If you don't preach a so what, people leave thinking, who cares? How does that even apply to my life? So what? So don't let sin reign in your life. So don't let sin reign in your life. Verse 11, it begins with a perspective. Before we change our performance, we need to change our perspective and see ourselves the way that God sees us. Here's what he says in verse 11. So you also must, you must consider yourself. You have to see yourself. You must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Friends, if you are in Christ and you don't see yourself this way, what's gonna change then? You've gotta see yourself the way God sees you. You've gotta consider yourself the way God considers you. And he says you're dead to sin. You're dead to sin. You can walk in newness of life. You're dead to sin. You are free from the grip of sin in your life. You are dead to sin. You can live your life with God's presence in your life right now. We need to see ourselves this way. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Um, the uh, theologian Augustine, he put it this way, think of yourself as like a horse, and if that offends you, I'm sorry, but go with the analogy for a moment. You're a horse, you're a horse, and before you come to Christ, the person sitting on you, holding on to your reins is the devil himself. He's got the reins. He's got the reins, and when we're apart from Christ, our freedom exists to really sin or to sin. We can sin or we can sin. That's the type of freedom we have when Satan's on the horse. But when we come to Christ, when we give him the reins of our life, we have a new choice. We can listen to the voice of our new master who's holding the reins of our life, and we cannot sin. We can serve him, we can worship him, we can glorify him, we can be used by him to do amazing things. He produces good things through our life. We have a new master. But sometimes we still like to listen to the old guy. And sometimes we take those reins and we say, just for a minute, let me pass him back to the old guy. Paul says, no, let not sin reign in your mortal body. Don't let it reign. Jesus has the reins of your life. Jesus has the reins. Don't give them to anyone else. Let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. How? How? Step one, be immersed in Jesus. Give your life to Christ this morning. Maybe you've tried everything else. Man, I've tried every self-help book. I've, I've gone through every program, and I just can't help myself enough. Would you give your life to Jesus? Give your life to Jesus. Let him do a good thing to you in salvation. Then he will do a good thing through you, sanctification. You can grow in the grace and knowledge of God's son, Jesus Christ, and you can walk in newness of life. Be immersed in him this morning. That's step one. What's step two? Verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. I'm gonna call Brendan Anderson out real quick. He's gonna help me with a little bit of an illustration. I love this verse. Don't present your members to sin. Your members is like your actual body. 
Don't present your body to sin to be used as an instrument for unrighteousness. An instrument here can be like a tool, it could be a weapon, or it could be an actual musical instrument. A tool, an instrument, a weapon is only as good as the person who's good holding it, right? A hammer in the hand of my two-year-old? Unrighteous, not a good thing. A hammer in the hand of like a skilled craftsman can accomplish some really cool stuff. A weapon, a weapon in the hands of an evil person. It's not, not used for righteousness. A weapon in the hand of a skilled marksman, that can, that can be used for a good thing. What about an instrument? This is why I said I'm so thankful for our worship team because they are skilled people. An instrument in the hands of someone who doesn't know how to use it. I don't mean to be like, you're the guy who doesn't know how to use it. <laughs> I will have you demonstrate that though. This is, what, are you, what is this instrument you're holding here? Uh, this is, oh, it's mine. This is a uh, Selmer Super Action 80 Series 2 saxophone. Uh, no one knows what you just said. It's <laughs> the saxophone, is what you could have said. It was a, as a Selmer Super 80 something thing thing, awesome thing. Um, show me how that instrument sounds in the hands of a poor musician. Like, anyone had like their third, fourth, fifth grader bring a saxophone home from school? Show me that. That's enough. Knock it off. You guys ever experienced that in your home? That sound of a child bringing home an instrument for the first time? We laugh because we've been there. And if you haven't experienced it, newsflash, you were that person who tortured your parents with that terrible instrument. Um, this instrument in the hands of someone who doesn't know how to use it, not a great thing. It can't be used what it's really meant to be used for. In the hands of a skilled musician who knows what they're doing, we can actually see what the instrument, the beauty of this thing is meant for. Brennan, can you show us what it's supposed to sound like? Lest you go home with the idea of the main point being Brendan can play the saxophone. Um, some of your minds just got blown. Would our lives become like that instrument? This is the decision we have. If our life is an instrument, our life is a weapon, our life is a tool, whose hands are we placing our life into? Are we going to continue lifting the reins and giving them back to our old master? Or are we going to let Jesus have the reins on our life? Church, may we present our lives, may we present our members into the hands of Christ to be used for something amazing. Why? Verse 14, for sin has no dominion over you. Why? Because you're not under law, but we are under grace. We're dead to sin. May we live our lives to the glory of God and the glory of God alone. Amen? Let's pray.
Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you did on, on Calvary, God. We're so thankful that you have forgiven us for the sin in our life, and God, you've also set us free from its reign in our life. God, would we no longer go back to that person we used to be? Would we no longer go back to the things that we used to do, go back to the things that we used to say? And God, in those moments when we do, because we know they're gonna exist, God, would we run back to you as fast as possible? Would we repent, would we confess our sins to you? Would we walk in newness of life? God, thank you for that newness of life. Thank you for that freedom. Thank you for that life that we can live in you. God, would we respond now in worship? Would we use our lives as instruments for your glory and your glory alone? And all God's people said, I love that line. Free, free, forever we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Friends, if you are not in Christ this morning, our entire church, the congregation of Highlands, would love to invite you to come join that song the song of all the redeemed, where we can say free, free, forever we're free, 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 forever, amen. You can be forgiven from your sins with Christ this morning. You can be set free from the thing in your life this morning, if only you'd believe in Christ. The Bible says anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will, be see, will, will, will become, will, will, we can receive him. Every, we can, all, everyone, everyone. That's the point. I know I butchered the verse, but it means everyone. <laughs> Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Anyone. John chapter 1, to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You can become a child of God this morning. Even me? I don't know about me, man, my sin. Yeah, but Jesus is grace all the more. He loves you. He wants you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to set you free. Would you believe in him? Would you trust in him? Would you place your faith in him? Allow him to do that good thing, salvation to you so he can sanctify, do good things through you so your life can become an instrument for righteousness. Church, would that be our lives this week? Would we not present our lives to be instruments for unrighteousness? May we present our lives into the hands of our mighty God to be used for something good, for his glory and his glory alone. Why? Because we are dead to sin and we have been made alive to God. Amen. Would you love each other? Follow Jesus. We'll see you guys next week.